Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, I dust off my dictionary of weather puns as it's been missed. La Nina is back. I mean, it was announced last week, so hopefully it's not anticlimactic climactic news for you. Wendy might be our very own weather reigning champion, but Taylor Fry is checking the radar for the report. Spoiler alert, their analysis really blows. And in classic newsroom format, we finish this week on a lighter note as industry CEOs join Dare to Cure, but it's snow laughing matter. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Editor John Deeks, and Chairman Terry McMullen. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. What can our listeners dare you to do? Practically anything, and I'll do it. Oh, no, don't say that. Somebody will <laughs> take it all back. Well, that's the soundbite for today. Hello, John. Hello. Now, I thought Taylor Fry was a lolly brand. I think Fry's do some sort of mint confectionery, don't they? That's ringing a bell, but not Taylor Fry. And hello, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. You're not feeling under the weather, are you? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, it's the weather system we'd love to hate, at least until we're suffering from drought. For the third time in a row, meteorologists expect La Nina to return. So, Wendy, what does this mean for flood-prone Australian communities? Well, it means a, a high risk of further floods, really, um, given that La Nina is associated with greater than usual rainfall in eastern Australia. Um, and it wouldn't take much for there to be further flooding given the wet conditions we've already had. Um, the ICA has issued a warning to property owners that they should take steps to protect homes and uh, make sure they've got the right cover and they suggest people clear out gutters and uh, downpipes and make sure their properties can withstand heavy rain um, and also that perhaps they should have an inventory of contents for any future claims. I mean, obviously, this past year has been particularly severe for flooding and, and not every La Nina is the same, uh, but it's best to be prepared. Two questions, Terry. The first one, if everyone's cleaning out their gutters, are accident and health premiums going to go through the roof? This is a very good question, Andrew, because I was just looking at before at the trees growing out of my gutter. I don't know is the, is the answer. Let's put somebody up a ladder and tip them off and see what happens. All right. Well, maybe you can answer this one then. Could the industry cope with another major flood? Well, putting things back together again is what we do. The, the time being to finalise all the, the flood claims of the past year is obviously going to be a factor. But yes, the, the industry can cope because it has no option but to cope. But I hope all the people whose claims have been paid out already or had their homes repaired after the last set of floods have managed to find new cover. But I'll bet it's not easy to find. And I'll bet it's pretty nearly marginally unaffordable. Rates for high-risk areas are only going to keep rising and the call for governments to build mitigation projects to help solve the problems are only going to increase. So in a nutshell, yes, the industry will cope, but it will cost. Well, Taylor Fry, as uh, John has informed me, our analyst, has released its annual radar report. John, what's all it about and what can we learn from it? So yes, Taylor Fry releases this report every year and it, it goes through each class of insurance and, and looks at things like the growth in gross written premium, the combined ratio, which obviously, as, as we all know, shows the uh, sort of level of profitability in, in, in each class and also the trends and developments in each class of insurance. So that's a really interesting report if you, if you can take the time to read through it. But I think the key point that, that I picked out was the concern that they have over householders' insurance. They say that this line of business was the only one that didn't make a profit in the last uh, financial year. 
and that there is doubt really over the commercial viability of this type of insurance going forward, particularly in those regions that are flood affected, as Terry was saying. So, you know, insurers are asking, you know, can I still can I still provide this cover in this area? And if so, at what price? What can be done about it? Well, it's the usual the usual things that the industry insurance industry usually puts puts forward like mitigation like dealing with insurance taxes like proper land use planning and, and all of that taylor fry does mention the cyclone reinsurance pool but says that is only one step and uh, it can't solve everything on its own as i say all the other lines did make a profit but return on capital was well short of target levels, so we shouldn't get too excited. But Taylor Fry's sort of summing up was was really that insurers have shown admirable resilience through this period of high catastrophes and uh, other challenges, and they should be praised for that. Terry, is the housing market big for insurance? I mean, do you share the concern about the viability of home insurance? Personal lines, but particularly home insurance, is is a major part of, of many insurance companies, you know, sort of business. With Taylor Fry, actuarially, oh, that's a good word. I see what they're saying, but realistically, I don't agree with them that, that the moment or, or as things gradually get wor- gets worse and costs go up, the, the the automatic reaction is for us to fall into a death dive. That that just doesn't happen. We do experience classes of insurance that from time to time get out of control and take time to fix. But personal lines is not an area that, that we are all suddenly going to to bail out of. I look, if I can use an analogy, this this isn't a death dive. It's more like a bungee jump. <laughs> where we reach bottom, we fly up and down a bit, and then everything gradually settles as long as you don't mind hanging upside down for a while. And and that's sort of pretty much where we are. I wouldn't be surprised to see insurance affordability industry, uh, sorry, issues becoming more political. But I'm, I'm a bit like that former prime minister in that I'm, I'm trusting in technology that hasn't been invented yet to solve the problem. Um there are plenty of answers to this emerging via technology, and the major insurers have way too much invested in personal lines to simply let it go. It's a growth business, and certainly the big guys are the ones who are pouring big bucks in, into innovation. So we might end up with what will still be home insurance, Andrew, but maybe not as we know it now. Well, moving on to uh, another class of insurance that's never had a problem with affordability. We had an update on cyber in the broker last week, Wendy. What's the current state of play there? Well, a WTW report says there's actually been uh, some new cyber capacity into the market and conditions have stabilised for those risks in some cases. That's the case where um, policyholders have taken action to reduce the potential impacts from a cyber attack or that, um, you know, to prevent one happening in the first place. So, um, but where there's underperformance in rate or risk controls um, and the the risks are still seen to be high, uh, increases can still be upwards of 75%. And and insurers, generally um, speaking, are are still being very cautious. And uh, a lot comes down to the actions that are being taken by the individual policyholders. Well, that sounds to me like cyber's doing a good job of focusing on mitigation. The easy answer to that, Andrew, is that yes, 
the the answer to everything that goes wrong in insurance is mitigation. It's getting is getting underneath what is causing the problem and what's causing all the all the uh, the costs, and then trying to fix the problem from outside insurance. That's really what it's all about. Well, John, did Telefry have much to say about cyber? Yes, they did actually. They had a whole section on it, spotlight on cyber, and they and they go through explaining some of the things that Wendy's just talking about. Really, that uh, cyber apparently is still in its infancy in this country. Take up for SMEs is still only twenty percent, and they go into you know the reasons why it is getting harder to get cyber cover and why cyber cover is getting more expensive. Basically, it's hard to get cover if you don't carry out the basic protections yourself. And they Taylor Fry sort of compares it with leaving your house unlocked. There are issues with accumulation risk. I mean, the issue with cyber is that there's no real geographical boundaries to an attack. It, it could it could be vast. And then there's war coverage. Now, obviously, we know most types of insurance exclude acts of war, but it's not always been crystal clear in cyber. And Lloyd's recently announced that it will require all standalone cyber attack policies to exclude losses arising from state-based attacks. So we could get into some interesting debates, I suppose, over uh, what you know who was behind a cyber attack, because that could, that could uh, have an impact on whether the claim gets paid or not. Well, Allianz has a report out, Wendy, about First Nations business owners and their interactions with insurance. What are the key findings? Well, yes, this report found that 21% of First Nations SMEs have general property insurance, and that compares with uh, 42% for the broader sector. And about 16% of um, First Nations SME owners say that they don't have any insurance cover, uh, with that percent even higher for less established businesses and ones with smaller turnover. But at the same time, it highlighted that uh, the SMEs viewed insurance as important, but they, you know, were, and they said there were the things they probably needed insurance for, but they weren't really uh, across the requirements. So Allianz says it's worked with a, um, a First Nations commun- communications consultancy to develop a toolkit designed to help home-based small businesses understand the different types of insurance covers uh, for their businesses and homes. And uh, that focus reflects that um, a lot of the First Nations small businesses were uh, sole traders or, or micro-businesses. Well, it wouldn't be surprising if there were some trust issues here with it, Terry, after the um, Eupla funeral insurance debacle. Yeah, fair call. It it does, things like this do give the entire insurance industry, both life and general, uh, a shady reputation. It's good to see that Allianz is really approaching this head on and is, is talking not just problem, but solutions. Aboriginal people, I think, and along with immigrants from third world countries and, and even lots of ordinary Australians out there know very little or nothing about insurance. You know, it's it's we don't teach it in school. So they're, they're prey to every dubious sort of business deal or bent salesman who comes along. We, we really, as an industry, need to invest more in educating ordinary people about what insurance does and how to access it and use it. Well, finally, John, let's have a plug for the fundraising efforts of some very brave or idiotic CEOs who completed dares to raise money for a children's cancer charity. Yes, that's right. It's uh, it's Dare to Cure time again, which is an annual fundraiser organised uh, to raise money for the Children's Cancer Institute. And it, it sees um, CEOs from across the country 
taking part in dares or challenges to raise money, some of them quite amusing. So we had Kimberly Johnson from CHU taking a, a bath in snakes. We had uh, Robert Kelly from Steadfast doing a uh, skyscraper challenge where he walked along a plank off a skyscraper. That one was actually virtual before you get too worried. It was uh, using virtual technology rather than actually doing it for real. Others ate bugs, did extreme fitness challenges and many more. So really, I think we, we need to give them a, a round of applause. And uh, also, we can still contribute money to to their fundraising if you go to the dare to cure website you can you can go on there and, and and donate mr kelly was actually the champion fundraiser this often seems to happen but he, he raised the most money out of it all the ceos over a hundred thousand dollars so well done to him a hundred thousand dollars to walk the plank <laughs> virtual or not well that brings us to the end of this week's insight podcast by insurance news thank you once again to our panel john deeks wendy Pugh, and terry mcmullen Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, on all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week. Mm-hmm.